Hello, my friends. Welcome back to another episode of The Informed Catholic. This is going to be episode 97 of The Informed Catholic, and today we're going to do the readings for Palm Sunday, the start of Passion Week. So this is going to be episode 97. I also want to apologize. I messed up with the posting. I just realized looking at the um, all the uh, on the list, uh, something didn't make any sense so i misposted the um third sunday of uh third saturday of lent i put it on the wrong date my fault my apologies i uh messed up there so anyway it's my fault i try to do things ahead of time and because i've been having some difficulty with my neighbor upstairs who's been uh blasting his music more than usual um <clears throat> messed up Anyway, uh, it is what it is, and I can't go back and change it right now, so I apologize. Okay, so um, let's begin with the act of contrition. All right, please join me in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. I confess to Almighty God and to you, my brothers and sisters, that I have greatly sinned in my thoughts and in my words and what I have done and what I have failed to do through my fault, through my fault, through my most grievous fault. Therefore, I ask, Blessed Mary, ever-Virgin, all the angels and saints, and you, my brothers and sisters, to please pray with me to the Lord our God. May Almighty God have mercy on us, forgive us our sins, and bring us to everlasting life. Amen. Kiri Elysion, Kiri Elysion, Kiri Elysion, Christe Elysion, Christe Elysion, Christe Elysion, Kiri Elysion, Kiri Elysion, Kiri Elysion. Lord have mercy, Lord have mercy, Lord have mercy. Christ have mercy, Christ have mercy, Christ have mercy. Lord have mercy, Lord have mercy, Lord have mercy. Holy Mary, Mother of God, Queen of the Rosary. Pray for us. St. Joseph, guardian of the church and guardian of families and terror of demons, pray for us. St. Peter the Apostle, pray for us. St. Paul the Apostle, pray for us. St. John the Apostle, pray for us. St. Mary Magdalene, pray for us. St. Athanasius, pray for us. St. Ambrose, pray for us. St. Augustine, pray for us. St. Monica, pray for us. St. Benedict, pray for us. St. Jerome, pray for us. St. Thomas Aquinas, pray for us. St. Francis of Assisi, pray for us. St. Thomas More, pray for us. St. Athanasius, pray for us. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and St. Michael, the Archangel, defend us from evil and pray for us. Amen. All right. Almost missed St. Michael there. Okay. So now we're in the start of Holy Week, and uh, I'm going to read from my missal. Um, Holy Week. Uh, this is the quote from 1 Corinthians by St. Paul, chapter 1, 23-24. We proclaim Christ crucified. Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. And we have a quote here from St. Thomas Aquinas. Why did the Son of God have to suffer for us? 
because that is his passion, is a remedy for sin. For in the face of all the evils which we incure on account of our sins, we have found relief through the passion of Christ. Yet it is no less an example for the passion of Christ completely suffices to, fa to fashion our lives. Who, whoever wishes to live perfectly should do nothing but disdain what Christ disdained on the cross and desire what he desired. For the cross exemplifies every virtue. If you seek the example of love, greater love than this no one has, than to lay down his life for his friends. Such a man was Christ on the cross, and if he gave his life for us, then it should not be difficult to bear whatever hardships arise for his sake. Okay, so, um, we are in Passion Sunday, also known as Palm Sunday. So, uh, let's look what the readings are going to be. Now, here it is for 2021. Okay, um, it's going to be from Mark. I'm going to read a little bit from the opening, the blessing that you might hear from the priest. Okay. Um, okay, here it is. I'm going to read the uh, this part. Dear brothers and sisters, since the beginning of Lent until now, we have prepared our hearts by penance and charitable works. Today we gather together to herald with the whole church the beginning of the celebration of our Lord's Paschal Mystery, that is to say, of his passion and resurrection, for it was to accomplish this mystery that he enters his own city of Jerusalem. Therefore, with all faith and devotion, let us commence the Lord's entry into the city for our salvation following in his footsteps so that being made by his grace partakes of the cross we may have to share we may have a share also in his resurrection and in his life let us pray almighty and ever-living god sanctify these branches with your blessing that we who follow christ the king in exaltation may reach the eternal Jerusalem through him who lives and reigns forever and ever. Amen. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Okay, so now we are um, we're going to read uh, the Gospel of Mark. All right. I'm going to actually read also the uh, the Gospel of John that they have here for us. And I'm going to read also the Gospel of Luke. I'm going to read all three. It's my podcast, and it'll cover exactly what we are to expect. Okay, uh, a reading from the Holy Gospel according to St. Mark, chapter 11, 1 to 10. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. All right. When Jesus and his disciples drew near to Jerusalem, to Bethpage and Bethany, 
at the Mount of Olives, he sent two of his disciples and said to them, Go into the village opposite you, and immediately on entering it, you will find a colt tethered on, on which no one has ever sat. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone should say to you, Why are you doing this? Reply, The master has need of it and will send it back here at once. So they went off and found a colt tethered at a gate outside on the street, and they untied it. Some of the bystanders said to them, What are you doing untying the colt? They answered them just as Jesus had told them to, and they permitted them to do so, to do it. So they brought the colt to Jesus and put their cloaks over it, and he sat on it. Many people spread their cloaks on the road, and others spread leafy branches that they had cut from the fields. Those preceding them, as well as those following, kept crying out, Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the kingdom of our father David that is to come. Hosanna! In the highest. Okay, I'll read it one more time. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to St. Mark, chapter 11, verse 1 to 10. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. When Jesus and his disciples drew near to Jerusalem, to Bethpeg and Bethany at the Mount of Olives, he sent two of his disciples and said to them, Go into the village opposite you, and immediately on entering it, you will find a colt tethered on which no one has ever sat. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone should say to you, why are you doing this? Reply, the master has need of it and will send it back here at once. So they went off and found a colt tethered at a gate outside on the street and they untied it some of the bystanders said to them what are you doing untying the colt they answered them just as jesus had told them to and they permitted them to do it so they brought the colt to jesus and put their cloaks over it and he sat on it many people spread their cloaks on the road and others spread leafy branches that they had to cut from the fields those preceding him, as well as those following, kept crying out, Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the kingdom of our father David that is to come. Hosanna in the highest. The gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. All right, let's review this gospel first before we move on to the next one. Um, it's Mark chapter 11, verse 1 to 10. When Jesus and his disciples drew near to Jerusalem to Bethpeg and Bethany at the at the mountain at the Mount of Olives, he sent two of his disciples and said to them, Go to the into the village and opposite you, and immediately on entering it you will find a colt tethered, which no one has ever sat. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone should say to you, Why are you doing this? reply the master has need of it and will send it back here at once. Now, it's very interesting. Okay, I believe the two disciples, I'm if I'm correct, I do believe it's 
Peter and John, the two of them. They always seem to wind up together for, for some reason, but they're going to be the two that are also going to go to the tomb first, the two apostles that will show up at the tomb first. John will get there first before Peter. Now, um, he tells them to go get this untamed cult. No one has ever sat on it, which means it's untamed. It hasn't uh, learned to accept this sort of thing. Uh, and it's tied. Um, he says here, uh, immediately on entering, you will find a cult tethered on which no one has ever sat. Untie it and bring it here. Now, it's interesting. Uh, you wonder, did the owner have a dream? Did the owner um, just tied the cult there and maybe he was spoken to in the dream? Maybe he was a follower of Jesus? I, I sometimes wonder if this is a possibility. And the men who were there, probably they know the owner. And maybe he said to them, maybe he could have told the other men, um, if anyone comes here to take the cult, just ask them, what are you doing? And if they answer you that the master has need of it, let them go. I'm wondering because it leaves room for questioning. It obviously does. But it's interesting that why? Why an untamed cult? I'm going to take a guess because this is going to be the beginning. This is going to be a symbol of the new covenant. No one has sat on it. No one has has uh, claimed it. No one has mastered this animal. And we're not told that if the animal gave, gave them a hard time. It, you know, because you see the king, whenever uh, Solomon, and I think even David, and even Saul, whenever, when they were, were uh, anointed king, they had to ride on a cult, an ass, not a horse as a sign of, of, of servitude to the nation, as a sign of a servant to the Lord. And they approached the, the day of their anointing, the day when they were crowned and installed as king. That's exactly how how they came. They came wearing a, a simple white uh, tunic. And they came, uh, I would say probably in humility, like in humbleness, uh, where, you know, even barefoot. And then they would go to the high priest and the high priest would anoint them as king. And because they, they themselves are servants, servants of the Lord. Jesus himself describes himself as the son of man who has come to serve, not be served. So now when the, the day of their, of, of their anointing, people did the same thing. They, they, uh, had palm leaves, branches in their hand, cheering. And this is exactly what Jesus Jesus experienced here. And people would uh, bless, bless, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And they hear they're saying, blessed is the kingdom of our father David that, that is to come, Hosanna on the highest. So, and the men, the men of that town, it's interesting, the men who were standing there didn't do anything, didn't press them on, didn't interrogate them anymore. It was almost like they were expecting that answer. And they were expecting that answer because it appears that's exactly what 
what you know the answer that they gave the right answer so it's very interesting what we see here it's all laid out all played out and you wonder because you wonder what's happening off the stage of the gospel the events the people who who played a role it's an interesting it's an interesting um it's an interesting thing because you you know it makes you 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 focus on that and you read these parts and you wonder yourself how do they know how do they know and you you know you obviously you meditate on it and you think it appears providence it appears that the owner whoever tied it there knew that he had to tie it there knew that Jesus was going to use it it's interesting all right let's move on to the next reading, which is going to be John's Gospel. Okay, for 2021, it's also John's Gospel, the Gospel according to St. John, chapter 12, verse 12 to 16. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to St. John. When the crowd that had come to the feast heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem, they took palm branches and went out to meet him and cried out, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, the King of Israel. Je Jesus found an ass and sat upon it. As it is written, fear no more, O daughter of Zion. See your king come seated upon an ass's colt. His disciples did not understand this at first, but when Jesus had been glorified, they remembered that these things were written about him and that they had done this for him. Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Okay, let's read it one more time. Uh, the Gospel according to St. John, chapter 12, 12, verse 12 to 16. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. When the crowd, when the great crowd that had come to the feast heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem, they took palm branches and went out to meet him and cried out, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the King of Israel. Jesus found an ass and sat upon it as it is written, Fear no more, O daughter of Zion. See, your king comes seated upon an ass's cult. His, his disciples did not understand this at first, but when Jesus had been glorified, they remembered that these things were written about him and that they had to, done this for him. The gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. <clears throat> okay, so um, the next one is actually meant for 20 is Luke's gospel meant for 2022. All right, so why not? All right, we'll read it anyway. We'll, we'll add a little bit more to the to our readings. Uh, a reading from the Holy Gospel according to St. Luke, chapter 19, 28 to 40. Okay, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Jesus proceeded on his journey up to Jerusalem. As he drew near to Bethpage and Bethany, at the place called the Mount of Olives, he sent two of his disciples. He said, Go into the village opposite you, and as you enter it, you will find a colt tethered 
tethered on which no one has ever sat. Untie it and bring it here. And if anyone should ask you, why are you untying it? You will answer, the master has need of it. So those who had been sent went off and found found everything just as he had told them. And as they were untying the colt, its owners said to them, Why are you untying this colt? They answered, The master has need of it. So they brought it to Jesus, threw their cloaks over the, over the colt, and helped Jesus to mount it. As he rode along, the people were spreading their cloaks on the road. And, and now, as he was approaching the slip of Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of disciples began to praise God out loud with joy for all the mighty deeds they had seen. They proclaimed, Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the, in the highest. Some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to him, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. He said in reply, I tell you, if they keep silent, the stones will cry out. The gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. So the one part that stood out for me at the end of John's gospel is his disciples did not understand this at first. But when Jesus had been glorified, they remembered that these things were written about him and that they had done this for him. So I'm wondering if did they realize this during his 40 days on earth after, um, of his resurrection, after his resurrection, or did they fully comprehend this after the coming of the Holy Spirit. I'm going to take a guess. I'm going to say that this probably happened during his his 40 days after his resurrection. Because I just came to my mind the road to Emmaus when the scriptures were opened. And that they kept on thinking about this even after the days of the coming of the of the Holy Spirit, because something about it just, I it just to me it would have to be during those days. It would have to me be that they discuss this, and that they their minds they 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 shared that you know being together as a as 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 a as a community, being together as apostles, they must have discussed this. They must have come to a realization. The, mean, the, the scripture passages. Because I'm going to take a guess that the one who wrote this, his disciples did not understand this at first, but when Jesus had been glorified, they remembered these things were written about him and that they had done this for him. So the one who, who points this out is John. I'm going to take a guess that it was John who probably came 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 with this understanding. Because he seems to have more knowledge of the scriptures than I would say, because out of, okay, out of all the 12, only two, two were original apostles, Matthew and John. Matthew and John. Mark and Luke were not part of the original 12. Mark and Luke came later. 
some, I mean, Mark's family was the one who provided the upper room where the where the Last Supper took place and where the, the um, Pentecost happened. And he seems to be related to the other apostles. Some, some tradition suggests that he might have been Peter's nephew through Peter's sister that Peter's sister was married to the man who provided the upper room. It's, it's not clear. It's not, it's not positive, but there's a possibility, uh, you know, because Mark is writing Peter's gospel and, you know, it's, it's not, you know, he, he's basically based on Peter's preaching, but still it makes you wonder. Then you move to Luke and Luke gives you a little bit more information. It's sort of like a detective work, you know, Police officers sometimes interview people and they get the same scene, maybe with a little bit more information that some some people remember certain details that others don't. And, you know, Luke, Luke here, remember, is writing according to St. Paul's preaching. Jesus proceeded on, on, this, on his journey to Jerusalem and as he drew near to Bethpage and Bethany at the place called the Mount of Olives, he sent two of his disciples. He said, go to, into the village opposite you, almost similar to, Mar, to, uh, to Mark. And as you enter it, you will find a colt tethered on, which no one has ever sat. Untie it, bring it here. And if anyone should ask you, why are you untying it? You will answer, the master has need of it. So those who had been sent off and found uh, sent off and found everything just as he had told them. And they were untying the cult. Its owner said to them, why are you untying this cult? They answered, the master has need of it. So they brought it to Jesus, threw their cloaks over the cult, helped Jesus to mount it. As he rode along, the people were spreading their cloaks on the road. And now as he was approaching the slope of the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of his disciples began to praise God out loud with joy for all the mighty deeds they had seen. They proclaimed, Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. Some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to him, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. And he said in reply, I tell you, if they keep silent, the stones will cry out. So, there's a little bit more information, and yes, I think the owner was a disciple. Uh, is a disciple. Either I think he might have had a dream. He might have had a message, and he tied the cult there. And he maybe they were his servants, the men who were standing there, and suddenly these two disciples come along, untie it bring it to Jesus. Then the men wanted to make sure that these were the right people, that they give the right answer. Sort of like a code. Ask them why. Why did they, why are you untying this code? And if they answer you properly, the master has need of it and he will return it after he, you know, after he's done. They knew this was, these were the right people and they let them go. They didn't harass them anymore. They didn't restrain them. They didn't interrogate them. And, the like John says later on, we realized, we realized, um, that that we were fulfilling prophecy, that we were fulfilling the scriptures, that all this, all this was was in fulfillment 
of the scriptures that was written about him. And they must have been meditating on this. They must have been questioning each other. They must have um I'm going to take a guess that either like the road to Emmaus, because Jesus appeared to those two disciples and he was catechizing them. He was opening the scriptures to them, explaining the prophecies that were written, that were written about him, that the, all that had to be done before the Christ was to enter his glory. So that's why I'm thinking about this, because it obviously they must have been, they, they, some of them must have at least began to really look back at the scriptures of what it says about the Messiah. All right, let's move on to our next reading. Okay, uh, we get a psalm. It's um, Psalm 24. And the Antiphon, the children of the Hebrews, carrying olive branches, went to meet the Lord, crying out and saying, Hosanna in the highest. The children of the Hebrews, carrying olive branches, went to meet the Lord, crying out and saying, Hosanna in the highest. The Lord is the Lord's the earth and its fullness, the world and those who dwell in it. It is he who, who, sat, who set it on the seas. On the rivers he made it firm. The Lord's the earth and its fullness, the world and those who dwell in it. It is he who set it on the seas, on the rivers he made it firm. The children of the Hebrews, carrying olive branches, went to meet the Lord, crying out and saying, Hosanna in the highest. Who shall climb the mountain of the Lord? The clean of hands and the pure of heart, whose soul is not set on vain things, who has not sworn deceitful words. The children of the Hebrews, carrying olive branches, went to meet the Lord, crying out and saying, Hosanna in the highest. Blessings from, from the Lord shall he receive, and right reward from the God who saves him. Such are the people who seek him, who seek the face of the God of Jacob. The children of the Hebrews, carrying olive branches, went to meet the Lord, crying out and saying, Hosanna in the highest. O gates, lift high your heads, grow higher ancient doors. Let him enter the King of glory. Who is this King of glory? The Lord, the mighty, the valiant, the Lord, the valiant in war. The children of the Hebrews, carrying olive branches, went to meet the Lord, crying out and saying, Hosanna in the highest. O gates, lift high your heads, grow higher ancient doors. Let him enter the King of glory. Who is this King of glory? He is the Lord of hosts. He is the King of glory. The children of Hebrews, carrying olive branches, went to meet the Lord, crying out and saying, Hosanna in the highest. Okay, the next one is uh, Psalm 47. These are very long antiphons. The children of the Hebrews spread their garments on the road, crying out and saying, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Okay, 
All people clap your hands. That's Psalm 47. All people clap your hands. Cry to God who shouts uh, uh, with shouts of joy. For the Lord is the most high. The, the Lord the most high is awesome. The great king over all the earth. All people clap your hands. Cry to God with shouts of joy. For the Lord the most high is awesome. The great king over all the earth. The children of the Hebrews spread their garments on the road, crying out and saying, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. He humbles people under us and nations under our feet. Our heritage he chose for us, the pride of Jacob whom he loves. God goes up with shouts of joy. The Lord goes up with trumpet blasts. The children of the Hebrews spread their garments on the road crying out and saying, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Sing praise for God. Sing praise. Sing praise to our king. Sing praise. God is king over, uh, of all the earth. Sing praise with all your skill. The children of the Hebrews spread garments on the road, crying out and saying, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. God reigns over the nations. God sits upon his holy throne. The princes of the peoples are assembled with the people of the God of Abraham. The rulers of the earth belong to God, who is greatly exalted. The children of the Hebrews spread their garments on the road, crying out and saying, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Amen. Now, most likely they're probably going to choose one psalm. That's, you know, how some of our uh, pastors are. They, I think they have uh, a, a less attention span or patience than I think the, the parishioners do. Because if they really, honestly, my own personal opinion, they really should focus on the scriptures more. They really should really... Um, try to reach to the hearts and people to get really involved in their faith. And I think it's a sad problem because I think that's the one, the biggest sad thing, the Novus Odo Mass just, I think, doesn't really think very highly of, of the parishioners. I think they, they, they know they, 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 they're trained too much with psychology. They're trained too much with anthro, you know, which just I don't know. It's like having a social uh, a social worker talk to you most of the time. It's sad. All right. Um, okay, here it is. Okay, this is... I'm going to read this as an entrance antiphon. Six days before the Passover, when the Lord came into the city of Jerusalem, the children ran to meet him. In their hands they carried palm branches. With loud cry, uh, voice cried out, with loud with a loud voice cried out, Hosanna in the highest! Blessed are, blessed are you who come, in your abundant mercy. O gates, lift high you, you your heads, grow higher, ancient doors. Let him enter the King of Glory. Who is this King of Glory? He is the Lord of Hosts. He is the King of Glory. Hosanna in the highest! Blessed are you. Blessed are you who have come in your abundant mercy. Read it one more time. Six days before the Passover, when the Lord came into the city of Jerusalem, the children ran to meet him. In their hands they cried, they carried palm branches. With a loud voice cried out, Hosanna in the highest. 
Blessed are you who have come into your abundant mercy. O gates, lift high your heads, grow higher ancient doors. Let him enter the King of glory. Who is this King of glory? He, the Lord of hosts, he is the King of glory. Hosanna in the highest. Blessed are you who blessed are you who have come in your abundant mercy. Amen. Okay, so this one here is for all three cycles, A, B, and C. Isaiah 50, verse 4 to 7. My face I did not shield from buffets and spitting, knowing that I shall not be put to shame. A reading from the book of the prophet Isaiah. The Lord God has given me a well-trained tongue that I might know how to speak to the weary a word that will rouse them. Morning after morning, he opens my ear that I may hear, and I have not rebelled, have not turned back. I gave my back to those who beat me, my cheeks to those who plucked my beard, my face I did not shield from buffets and spitting. The Lord God is my help, therefore I am not disgraced. I have set my face like flint, knowing that I shall not be put to shame. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. One more time. Isaiah 50, verse 4 to 7. My face I did not shield from buffets and spitting, knowing that I shall not be put to shame. A reading from the book of the prophet Isaiah. The Lord God has given me a well-trained tongue that I, that I might know how to speak to the weary, a word that will rouse them. Morning after morning, he opens my ear that I may hear, and I have not rebel, rebelled, uh, have not turned back. I gave my back to those who beat me, my cheeks to those who plucked my beard, my face I did not shield my, from buffets and spitting. The Lord God is my help, therefore I am not disgraced. I have set my face like flint, knowing that I shall not be put to shame. The word of the Lord, thanks be to God. Okay, and the next one is going to be uh, from Psalm 22. My God, my God, why have you abandoned me? My God, my God, why have you abandoned me? All who see me scoff at me. They mock me with parted lips. They wag their heads. He rallied on the Lord. Let him deliver him. Let him rescue him if he loves him. My God, my God, why have you abandoned me? My God, my God, why have you abandoned me? Indeed, many dogs surround me. A pack of evil doers closes in upon me. They have pierced my hands and my feet. I can count all my bones. My God, my God, why have you abandoned me? My God, my God, why have you abandoned me? They divide my garments among them, and from my vestures they cast lots. But you, O Lord, be not far from me. O oh, my help, hasten to aid me. My God, my God, why have you abandoned me? My God, my God, why have you abandoned me? I will proclaim your name to my brethren. In the midst of the assembly, I will praise you. You who fear the Lord, praise him. All you descendants of Jacob, give glory to him. Revere him and, and you descendants of Israel. My God, my God, why have you abandoned me? My God, my God, why have you abandoned me? Okay, second reading is uh, from the letter of St. Paul to the Philippians, 
Christ humbled himself because of this, of this God greatly exalted him. Christ humbled himself because of this God greatly exalted, exalted him. Uh, Philippians chapter two, verse six to 11. Christ Jesus, though he was in the form of God, did not regard equality with God something to be grasped. Rather, he emptied himself, taking the form of a slave, coming in human likeness and found human in appearance. He humbled himself, becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. Because of this, God greatly exalted him and bestowed on him the name which is above every name that at the name of Jesus every knee should bend of those in heaven and on earth, under the, under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. Okay, one more time, a reading from the letter of St. Paul to the Philippians, chapter 2, verse 6 to 11. Christ Jesus, though he was in the form of God, did not regard equality with God something to be grasped. Rather, he emptied himself, taking the form of a slave, coming in human likeness and found in human appearance. He humbled himself, coming, becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. Because of this, God greatly exalted him and bestowed on him in the name which is above every name that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bend, even those in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. Amen. All right, so we have the gospel according to St. Mark, the passion of our Lord, Jesus Christ. The readings, it's a little confusing how they do the numbering here. St. Mark chapter 14, verse 1 to, uh, to chapter 15 to 47, or 15, chapter 15, 1 to 39. As a long form and a short form, I really hate that because I can't tell if who's impatient, the ministers, or the, they think the people are impatient. It's really insulting because we. This is this is Holy Week. This is what we've been waiting for all year round. All right, let's begin. The Passion of Our Lord Jesus Christ, according to Saint Mark. Glory to you, Lord Jesus. The Passover and the Feast of Unleavened Bread were to take place in two days' time. So the chief priests and the scribes were seeking a way to arrest him by treachery and put him to death. They said, not during the festival, for fear that there may be a riot among the people. When he was in Bethany, reclining at table in the house of Simon the leper, a woman came with an alabaster jar of perfumed oil, costly genuine spike nard, she broke the alabaster jar and poured it on his head. There were some who were indignant. Why has there been this waste of perfumed oil? It could have been sold for more than 300 days wages and the money given to the poor. They were infuriated with her. Jesus said, let her alone. Why do you make trouble for her? She has done a good thing for me. The poor you will always have with you. 
and whenever you wish, you could do good to them. But you will not always have me. She has done what she could. She has anticipated anointing my body for burial. Amen, I say to you, wherever the Gospels proclaim to the whole world, what she has done will be told in memory of her. Then Judas Iscariot, one of the twelve, went off to the chief priests to hand him over to them. When they heard him, they were pleased and promised to pay him money. Then he looked for an opportunity to hand him over. On the first day of the Feast of Unleavened Bread, when they sacrificed the Passover lamb, his disciples said to him, Where do you want us to go and prepare for you to eat the Passover? He sent two of his disciples and said to them, Go into the city, and a man will meet you carrying a jar of water. Follow him. Wherever he enters, say to the master of the house, the teacher says, Where is my guest room where I may eat the Passover with my disciples? Then he will show you a large upper room furnished and ready. Make the preparations for us there. The disciples then went off, entered the city, and found it just as he had told them, and they prepared the Passover. When it was evening, he came with the twelve, and as they reclined at table and were eating, Jesus said, Amen, I say to you, one of you will betray me, one who is eating with me. They began to be distressed and say to him, one by one, surely it is not I. He said to them, one of the twelve, the one who dips with me into the dish, for the Son of Man indeed goes as it, as it is written of him, but woe to that man by whom the Son of Man is betrayed. It would be better for that man if he had never been born. While they were eating, he looked. He took bread, said the blessing, broke it, and gave it to them, and said, Take it, this is my body. Then he took a cup, gave thanks, and gave it to them, and they all drank from it. And he said to them, This is my blood of the covenant, which will be shed for many. Amen, I say to you, I shall not drink again the fruit of the vine until the day when I drink it new in the kingdom of God. Then after singing a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. Then Jesus said to them, All of you will have your faith shaken, for it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep will be dispersed. But after I have been raised up, I shall go before you to Galilee. Peter said to him, Even though all should have their faith shaken, mine will not be. Then Jesus said to him, Amen, I say to you this very night before the cock crows twice, you will deny me three times. But he vehemently replied, Even though I should have to die with you, I will not deny you. And they all spoke similarly. Then they came to a place named Gethsemane. 
And he said to his disciples, Sit here while I pray. He took with him Peter, James, and John, and began to be troubled and distressed. Then he said to them, My soul is sorrowful even to death. Remain here and keep watch. He advanced a little and fell to the ground and prayed that if it were possible, the hour might pass by him. And he said, Abba, Father, all things are possible to you. Take this cup away from me, but not what I will, but what you will. When he returned, he found them asleep. He said to Peter, Simon, are you asleep? Could you not keep watch for one hour? Watch and pray that you may not undergo the test. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Withdrawing again, he prayed, saying the same thing. Then he returned once more and found them asleep, for they could not keep their eyes open and did not know what to answer him. He returned a third time and said to them, Are you still sleeping and taking your rest? It is enough that the hour has come. Behold, the Son of Man is to be handed over to sinners. Get up, let us go. See, my betrayer is at hand. Then, while he, he was still speaking, Judas, one of the twelve, arrived, accompanied by a crowd with swords and clubs, who had come from the chief priests, the scribes, and the elders. His betrayer had rearranged a sign with them, saying, The man I shall kiss is the one, uh, is the one. arrest him, and lead him away securely. He came and immediately went over to him and said, Rabbi, and he kissed him. At this, they laid hands on him and arrested him. One of the bystanders drew his sword and struck the high priest's servant and cut off his ear. Jesus said to them in reply, Have you come out as against a robber with swords and clubs to seize me? Day after day I was with you, teaching in the temple area, Yet you did not arrest me, but the scriptures may, but that but that the scriptures may be fulfilled. And they all left him and fled. Now a young man followed him, wearing nothing but a linen cloth about his body. They seized him, but he left the cloth behind and ran off naked. They led Jesus away to the high priest, and all the chief priests and the elders, and the scribes came together. Peter followed him at a distance into the high priest's courtyard, and he was seated with the guards, warming himself at the fire. The chief priest and the entire Sanhedrin kept trying to obtain testimony against Jesus in order to put him to death, but they found none. Many gave false witnesses against him, but their testimonies did not agree. Some took the stand and testified falsely against him, alleging we had heard him say, I will destroy this temple made with hands, and within three days I will build another not made with hands. Even so, their testimony did not agree. The high priest rose before the assembly and questioned Jesus, saying, Have you no answer? What are these men testifying against you? But he was silent and answered nothing. Again the high priest asked him, and, and said to him, Are you the Christ, the Son of the Blessed One? Then Jesus answered, 
I am, and you will see the Son of Man seated at the right hand of the power and coming with cloud with the clouds of heaven. All right, I'm going to go a little further back um, to the paragraph where they led Jesus away. They led Jesus away to the high priest, and all the chief priests and the elders and the scribes came together. Peter followed him at a distance into the high priest's courtyard and was seated with the guards, warming himself at the fire. The chief priests and the entire Sanhedrin kept trying to obtain testimony against Jesus in order to put him to death, but they found none. Many gave false witnesses against him, but their testimony did not agree. Some took the stand and testified falsely against him, alleging, we, hear, we have heard him say, I will destroy this temple made with hands, and within three days I will build another not made with hands. Even so, their testimony did not agree. The high priest rose before the assembly and questioned Jesus, saying, Have you no answer? What are these men testifying against you? But he was silent and answered nothing. Again the high priest asked him and said to him, Are you the Christ, the Son of the Blessed One? Then Jesus answered, I am, and you will see the Son of Man seated at the right hand of the power and coming with the clouds of heaven. At that the high priest tore his garments and said, What further need have we of witnesses? You have heard the blasphemy. What do you think? They all condemned him as deserving to die. Some began to spit out on him. They blindfolded him and struck him and said, to him prophesy and the guards greeted him with blows while peter was below in the courtyard one of the high priest's maids came along seeing peter warming himself she looked intently at him and said you too were with the nazarene jesus but he denied it saying i neither know nor understand what you are talking about so he went out into the courtyard. Then the cock crowed. The maid saw him and began to say to the bystanders, This man what is one of them. Once again he denied it. A little later, the bystanders said to Peter once more, Surely you are one of them, for you too are a Galilean. He began to curse and to swear, I do not know this man about whom you are talking. And immediately the cock crowed a second time. Then Peter remembered the word that Jesus said to him. Before the cock crows twice, you will deny me three times. He broke down and wept. As soon as morning came, the chief priests with the elders and the scribes, that is, the whole Sanhedrin, held a council. They bound Jesus, led him away, and handed him over to Pontius Pilate. Pilate questioned him, Are you the king of the Jews? He said to him in reply, You say so. 
The chief priests accused him of many things. Again Pilate questioned him, Have you no answer? See how many things they accuse you of. Jesus gave him no further answer, so that Pilate was amazed. Now, on the occasion of the feast, he used to release to them one prisoner whom they re requested. A man called Barabbas was then in prison along with the rebels who had committed murder in a rebellion. The crowd came forward and began to ask him to do for them as he was accustomed. Pilate answered, Do you want me to release to you the king of the Jews? For he knew that it was out of envy that the chief priests had handed him over. But the chief priests stirred up the crowd to have him release Barabbas for them. Instead, Pilate again said to them in reply, Then what do you want me to do with the man you call the king of the Jews? They shouted again, Crucify him! Pilate said to them, Why? What evil has he done? They only shouted the louder, Crucify him! So Pilate, wishing to satisfy the crowd, released Barabbas to them. And after he had Jesus scourged, handed him over to be crucified. The soldiers led him away inside the palace, that is, the praetorium, and assembled the whole cohort. They clothed him in purple and weaving a crown of thorns, placed it on him. They began to salute him with Hail, King of the Jews, and kept striking his head with a reed and spitting upon him. They knelt before him in homage, and when they had mocked him, they stripped him of the purple cloak and dressed him in his own clothes and led him out to crucify him. They pressed into service a passerby, Simon a Cyrenian, who was coming in from the country, the father of Alexander and Rufus, to carry his cross. They brought him into the place of Golgotha, which is translated place of the skull. They gave him wine, drugged with myrrh, but he did not take it. Then they crucified him and divided his garments by casting lots for them to see what each should take. It was nine o'clock in the morning when they crucified him. The inscription of the charge against him read, The King of the Jews. With him they crucified two revolutionaries, one on his right and one on his left. Those passing by reviled him, shaking their heads and saying, Ha! You who would destroy the temple and rebuild it in three days, save yourself by coming down from the cross. Likewise the chief priests with the scribes mocked him, among themselves and said, He saved others. He cannot save himself. Let the Christ, the King of Israel, come down now from the cross that we may see and believe. Those who were crucified with him also kept abusing him. At noon darkness came over the whole land until three in the afternoon. And at three o'clock Jesus cried out in a loud voice, Elohi, Elohi, lama zahatni 
which is translated, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Some of the bystanders who heard it said, Look, he's calling Elijah. One of them ran, soaked a sponge with wine, put it on a reed, and gave it to him to drink, saying, Wait, let us see if Elijah comes to take him down. Jesus gave a loud cry and breathed his last. Here, all kneel and pause for a short time. Glory to you, Lord Jesus Christ. For by ho your holy cross, you have redeemed and saved the whole world. The veil of the sanctuary was torn in two from top to bottom. When the centurion who stood facing him saw how he breathed his last, he said, truly this man was the son of God. There was there were also women looking on from a distance. Among them were Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of the younger James, and Joseph and Salome. These women had followed him when he was in Galilee and ministered to him. There were also many other women who had come up with him to Jerusalem. When it was already evening, since it was the day of preparation, the day before the Sabbath, Joseph of Arimathea, a distinguished member of the council who was himself awaiting the kingdom of God, came courageously, went to Pilate and asked for the body of Jesus. Pilate was amazed that he was already dead. He summoned the centurion and asked him if Jesus had already died. And when he learned of it from the centurion, he gave the body to Joseph. Having brought a linen cloth, he took him down, wrapped him in the linen cloth, and laid him in a tomb that had been hewn out of the rock. Then he rolled a stone against the entrance to the tomb. Mary Magdalene and Mary the mother of Joseph watched where he was laid. The Gospel of the Lord, of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. All right, so here we are. Palm Sunday, Passion Sunday, Holy Week. The greatest event, the greatest week that changed everyone's lives in the whole world. I remember, um, I don't know if any of you ever watched Jesus of Nazareth. You should. It really is a good, a good series. I think um, it's probably one of the best uh, dramas on the life of Christ done, directed by Franco Zeffirelli with great actors. Uh, the actress Olivia Hussey, um, she plays the the Blessed Mother, and Michael York uh, plays. Um, um, he plays John the Baptist. You have Sir Lawrence Olivier, the the late Sir Lawrence Olivier. Um, there's even several other actors. Um, I can't remember, but they're all wonderful actors. Uh, Peter Ustinov plays Herod the Great. Peter Cushing, uh, not Peter Cushing. I can't remember this. There's several. He an actor just passed away. Who um, he was? He was originally Canadian. And he, you have really good actors, really great actors um, in in the film. Um, Robert Powell plays uh, Christ, 
And there's some really good, I mean, like I said, it's dramatic, beautiful, well done. If you ever get a chance, also check out by Franco Zeffirelli. He did uh, Brother, Son, Sister Moon. And he also, I think, directed um, Romeo and Juliet with the actors, um, Michael York uh, in, in it. Uh, Libby Hussey plays uh, Juliet and another actor plays Romeo. Um, you can tell um, Franco Zeffirelli's style. He has a very uh, attractive Renaissance uh, rather um, uh, 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 good style. You can actually see it's almost very similar. Uh, you will you can you can you can see it more in his brother, son, sister Moon on the life of Saint Francis of Assisi, and you can connect it to uh, his his uh, visual direction and style to that of. Um, Jesus of Nazareth, the way his, his visual palette, what I mean, his visual palette, um, you know, it's just done very, very beautifully. Uh, he, he can take a scene and you can almost think like he's taking it right out of a painting. Um, so you can see that, um, it's, 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 you know, it's one of those films that you have to see. You can compare it to the greatest story ever told, uh, which is not as good, but still there's, it has a very interesting visual palette. But one of the interesting things about it is um, it's very hard not to, not to recognize the landscape as the Grand Canyon. Um, it, you know, it's not definitely not the Holy Land, but it's, it's, a, it's a product of its time. Well, anyway, the thing is... Um, I also have right in front of me two um, graphic novels of the Bible. Uh, it's interesting how uh, one of the most interesting things about this is that it keeps inspiring art form, even new art forms like um, the Bible in, in comic book format. And it's still will affect us. It inspires art in every single way. You have The Chosen uh, done in television uh, entertainment format. Um, now it's uh, being supported by believers, by Christians who donate money to it. And it's fantastic. And it's probably you're going to see more of it in the future. Pretty soon, Gibson, Mel Gibson will come out with his sequel on The Passion of the Christ dealing with the subject matter of the resurrection. Um, and then, you know, I'm hearing now that the, uh, the progressive left want to cancel the Bible, want to cancel Jesus. They're, they're going after Mickey Mouse, uh, Dumbo. They're going after Pepe Le Pew, I heard. And, uh, it's, it's, um, it's a totalitarian attempt. It all, you know, and I think the reason why this is happening is one, I think the reason why God is permitting it is that God in his own master plan is going to use this to destroy the left. 
because many people have tried to wipe the Bible off the face of the earth. The Soviets in Russia could not destroy Christian culture. The Chinese are trying, the communist Chinese are trying very hard to get rid of the church out of China. We know that's going to fail. Um, you're going to, you know, you're getting people, you're getting a very, very uh, extreme totalitarian world that's trying to reprogram humanity to pervert the youth, to reprogram people uh, like if they're a Petri dish experiment. It's scary, scary and disturbing. Um, but God, this is all part of God's plan. God foresees everything. Nothing is out of uh, his vision. Nothing is beyond his comprehension, comprehension and understanding. God foresees everything. We have the Bible, a book that is controversial, and it's a companion given to us, the, the mind of God, love letters from our Heavenly Father that he wrote to us. You read it, you're never the same again. Whether you're a believer, an atheist, a God-hater, a Satanist, whether you're, you, you're someone who is indifferent or materialistically in love with the world, the Word of God is going to change you. I've said before, once you encounter Christ, whether you are a believer or unbeliever, you're never going to be the same again. Whether you're a Jew or a Muslim, you're never going to be the same again. Christ was going to, is going to change people. It's funny, there's a, a movie uh, about the life of an Orthodox priest. I, wanna, I really want to see it. It's called The Man of God. And uh, I haven't, I mean, I'm not familiar with Orthodox Christian culture, but I know of, of Orthodoxy. I know about some of their traditions and customs. It's very beautiful. Their prayers, their, I love icons. I love them far more than than the Renaissance. I love the earlier Renaissance. The later Renaissance art I don't care for. Um, there's a scene in the film where someone is saying to this man about this priest, he's the real He's the real thing, uh, the real deal. And the, this particular gentleman, I guess, with a very powerful position said, what do you mean the real deal? And he said, the man said, he's really a, a, a truly a priest. He's a good man. He's a holy man. And the man said, I don't like that. And he's like, the other gentleman said, what do you mean? Why? I guess you haven't read the Bible, have you? In other words, holy men are problematic to political people, to people who want power on earth. Holy people can change, inspire people, change people's lives. And that's what Jesus did. There's a scene in, again, I, I don't think I finished with the, um, the, about the Franco Zeffirelli film. There's a scene where Matthew, the character of Matthew 
is speaking to Peter because Peter um, left his his trade, and I guess the wife sent a message, and she's she wants to know. I mean, I don't think Peter would have had his wife alive back then. I know the chosen does that. I think by then he would have been a widower. And this is my own personal opinion because the Bible, the, the Gospels don't mention his wife. It only mentions his mother-in-law. So I'm assuming that the wife is not alive at this point. And the character of Matthew's, uh, because Peter says, I, I told the wife I'll be back next year. Besides, the fishing season is not, it's not good. And Matthew says to him, you're never going to go back. Don't lie to her or to yourself. And like, he's saying, lie? Yeah, you're not going to go back to Capernaum. You're never going to fish again. You're never going to drink again. You, you know, in other words, you're not going to get drunk. You, you're, you're not going to go back home. You're, we're, we're all... All of us were never going to be the same again. And they're looking at, and Matthew's looking at Jesus, the Lord sleeping. You and I, and every single, we're the first to know. And we're the first that have, that have had our lives changed. I'm paraphrasing here, but we're all going, we're no one, not every, every person, every life in this world on the planet, he was basically saying, is going, never going to be the same ever again. And he's right. Once you encounter Jesus of Nazareth, once you encounter Jesus Christ, no, you are not the same ever again. Because you encountered the truth. I remember... My father, who was a Muslim, this really irked me out. Really, like he when he would say this, because Muslims believe Jesus is just a prophet. They believe in the virgin birth, but they don't believe he's God. They don't believe in the incarnation. They believe that God just willed, willed his existence. Um, but... Muslims fall into a particular unusual thing. For their hate for some Muslims who dislike Jews and hatred for Jews, they would fall into a particular form of anti-Semitism, blaming the death of Jesus on the Jews. <laughs> My father used that against them. And I remember telling him, wait a minute, the Quran denies the crucifixion ever happened. Says that the crucifixion was an illusion or something. This is what Muslims interpret. You don't believe Jesus is God. You don't even believe the crucifixion is real. You believe God took him up to heaven. So why, do you, why are you using using this as a form of hating Jews. And, you know, my father would look at me with an embarrassed look and very angry and turn away. So you see what I'm saying is no one is the same ever again. No one. Jesus of Nazareth changes your life. Either you believe in him or you hate him or you deny him, but you're still not going to be the same ever again. 
because Christ changes our consciousness, our thinking, the way we see ourselves and the way we see morality and the way we see sin. Notice how people want to push, the, the sinner wants to push Christianity off the stage, wants to push the moral, the moral Christian thinking, the concept of morality and ethics, the Christian thinking of ethics and morality off the center stage, off out of people's lives. You know, whether you are, a, you could be even a Judas hiding within the Catholic Church, either for money or for, for perverse access to things, you're never going to be the same ever again. There's a line in The Chosen where the character of Christ says to Peter, you're going to become fisher of men. You're going to catch all kinds. Don't worry, I will sort them out later. <laughs> like I said, you're never going to be the same ever again. All right? Pontius Pilate wasn't the same ever again. Uh, the Pharisees, his opponents, weren't the same ever again. The Roman soldier who came to Jesus asking him to heal his servant, the Roman official, the 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 the, the official from Herod's palace was not the same ever again. Mary Magdalene's life wasn't the same ever again. No one's life was ever the same ever again. Jesus will change your life. Whether you love him or hate him, your life is going to change. Okay? It's... He... he like I said, he is in the heart and mind and center of human existence. Atheists, Protestant Christians, Roman Catholics, Orthodox Christians, you name it, Buddhists, um, anyone, everyone, Native Americans, you name it, Aztecs, um, perverse people, holy people, philosophers, doesn't matter. Everyone's life changes when it comes to Jesus. Artists, scientists, you name it. You know, tyrants, everyone changes. Jesus changes everything about us. How we see ourselves, how we see the world, how we think, how we believe, how we breathe. It doesn't matter. Everything changes. And even to this day, governors, presidents, good Catholics, bad Catholics, good, good Protestants, bad Protestants, hypocrites, you name it, manipulators, everyone's life will change. And everyone's life has changed and it will continue to change. The first readings we read about from Isaiah, the Lord has given me a well-trained tongue that I might know how to speak to the weary, a word that will rouse them. Morning after morning, he opens my ear that I may hear, and I have not rebelled, have not turned back. I gave my back to those who beat me, my cheeks to those who plucked my beard. My face I did not shield from buffets and spitting. The Lord God is my help, therefore I am not disgraced. I have set my face like flint, knowing that I shall not be put to shame. 
This is all of us in Christ. This is Jesus himself who experienced the abuses, and this is all of us. This is our lives here. When we bring the word of God to others, when we share it, we will be hated and despised. It doesn't matter. Then here we have Psalm 22. All who see me scoff at me. They mock me with parted lips and they wag their heads. He relied on the Lord. Let him deliver him. Let him rescue him if he loves him. Indeed, many dogs surround me. A pack of evildoers close in upon me. They have pierced my hands and my feet. I can count all my bones. They divide my garments among them and for my vesture, and they cast lots. But you, O Lord, be not far from me, O my help. Hasten to help me. I will proclaim your name to my brethren. In the midst of the assembly, I will praise you. You who fear the Lord, praise him. All you descendants of Jacob, give glory to him. Revere him, all you descendants of Israel. Notice they have pierced my hands and my feet. The Masoretic text, this is a text by the rabbis much later, have they cut my hands and my feet. Originally, everyone thought that the Greek changed it to pierce my hands and my feet. But then... Um, lo and behold, in the Dead Sea Scrolls, they discovered this particular psalm. It was found among, among the Dead Sea Scrolls. And guess what? The original Hebrew, far older than the Masoretic text, says, pierced my hands and my feet. So I'm going to take a guess that, guess what? That there's a lot of things that were changed after the destruction of the temple and a lot of words in the in the scriptures were removed because of the Christian claim, because of the claim of Jesus of Nazareth. Going on from there, our reading from uh, from Philippians, Christ Jesus, though he was in the form of God, did not regard equality with God something to be grasped. Rather, he emptied himself, taking the form of a slave coming in human likeness and found human in appearance. He humbled himself, became obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. Because of this, God greatly exalted him and bestowed on him the name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bend, even those in heaven and on earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. You know, before, I often thought that, you know, that his incarnation was addressed. But when I read this, I realized that Paul was addressing his incarnation. Christ Jesus, though he was in the form of God, did not regard equality with God, something to be grasped. Another word that could be used there, and it often has been used, exploited. Rather, he emptied himself, took the form of a slave, coming in human likeness, all right, and found human in every appearance, he humbled himself. So we see that he is addressing his incarnation, the fact that he came in human in every way and appearance. Paul is 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 showing that Jesus did not think like a like a like a a, 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 a sinful man would decided to exploit his his divine power. He could have. That's what the devil wanted. The devil wanted him to exploit power because that's the first thing human beings think. If I had power like that, I would use it. 
I would use it to change everything, but that's not what happened. He didn't do that. And we see that by this, he decided to, to, to make himself into a sacrifice for our redemption. Then we go into our passion. The, the Gospel of Mark was written as a passion play. The, the scholars realized by the way he by the way it was written that it was meant for um, for a, an Easter service. Uh, Peter, they believe, is the one who um, who preached it, and Mark took his preaching and put it down into writing, and. It's meant, it's, it's meant for people to partake in it, for us to get involved in the play, to, to reenact a reenactment. And the Gospels are meant that. They're meant to, to, for it to be part of our lives, to make it part of our lives, for us to partake in it, for us to explore Christ, to meet Christ in the written word, but also to meet him in the sacraments, in the Eucharist which is more important because in you have to, you can't love what you don't know. And the more you, you, you get involved, you make you, you let Jesus come into your life and you tra you let him transform you and transform you. You become, you know, like him. Even when you have setbacks, still you will come back and you will realize your weakness, how weak you are and how much you need him. It's, it's part of it. I mean, we learn about Judas's his weakness and his failures. We meet Simon Peter in his weakness and his failures. We meet the apostles in their weakness and their failures. We meet the the high priest in his weakness and lack of faith and and anger and hatred to Jesus. We. We meet the we meet the priests, the Jews, the Pharisees, everyone, the sold Jewish soldiers who spit on him and beat him and and rejected him. We meet Pontius Pilate, which we meet every single day. We meet politicians who are indifferent towards Christ, and we meet we meet the crucifixion. We meet Christ in the crucifixion, carrying his cross, people mocking him. Every single day, Jesus takes part in our lives and we go back and we, we take part in his life. And we're going to continue this. And hopefully we, we reach a form of sanctity. We, become, we want to become saints. We want to become holy. We want to become loving. We want to, we want to become more and more like him. We want to know, we want him, we want to change our lives. We want to get rid of all the uncleanness and lack of faith. And, and selfishness. We want to become more like him. We need to become more like him because we, we know how weak and how sinful we are. All right. Um, I'm going to end it here. We're going to say first the, um, our father, hail Mary and St. Michael in the name of the father, son, and Holy spirit, our father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth 
as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory, now and forever. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now at the hour of our death. Amen. St. Michael, Archangel of God, defend us in battle. Be our protection against the wild, wicked attack of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray. And now, O Prince of the Heavenly Hosts, by the divine power of God, cast into hell Satan and all evil spirits who prowl the world, seeking the ruin of souls. Amen. I believe in one God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, of all things visible and invisible. I believe in one Lord Jesus Christ, only begotten Son of God, born of the Father before all ages, God from God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten, not made, consubstantial with the Father. Through him all things were made. For us men and for our salvation he came down from heaven. And by the Holy Spirit was incarnate of the Virgin Mary and became man. For our sake he was crucified under Pontius Pilate. He suffered death and was buried. He rose again on the third day in accordance with the scriptures. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again in glory to judge the living and the dead. And his kingdom will have no end. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son, who with the Father and the Son is adored and glorified. He has spoken through the prophets. I believe in one holy, Catholic, and apostolic church. I confess one baptism for the forgiveness of sins and look forward to the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen. Okay, folks, um, God bless, and I will continue with the rest of Holy Week. Uh, I'll try to uh, post as many as I can um, all the days and uh, to help you guys uh, experience it more. Hopefully it will help you more with your, with your understanding of Holy Week. I'm hoping this would help. Um, I want it to help. So God bless, and I'll be back soon.